if your business is structured as a single member LLC and you file a Schedule C with your personal tax return with your 1040, Schedule C filers are 20 times more likely to get audited by the IRS, right? So if we understand that, then, okay, how do we, from a tax strategy perspective, position ourselves so that, one, we statistically reduce our chance of being audited. At the same time, we also pay less in taxes. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Eugene Marshall. Eugene is the founder and CEO of Magnolia Tax Services. He is an enrolled agent. He's federally authorized to represent taxpayers before the IRS. Um, I definitely have a lot of questions about that, so we'll we'll get to that. But um, first, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show today, Eugene. I'm I'm really excited to to talk to you. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. It's going to be a great. A uh, great episode, and uh, nevertheless, thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, bless your platform. Of course, of course, and uh, we we talked about this before recording. We're both battling a little bit of a cold, so uh, I think it'll be fine. But uh, just if people think we sound a little funny, that's that's what's going on. Um, let's just start by by hearing your story. Tell us your background, kind of kind of how you got started. Uh, like I said, I, I have some questions specifically um, related to your bio, but uh, I bet a lot of it will come out as we go anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as as Jason already alluded to, um, Eugene Marshall, the founder CEO of Magnolia Tax Services. Magnolia Tax Services is a tax advisory firm that specializes in tax planning, tax preparation. We do a ton of tax debt resolution um, and accounting for individuals and small businesses. I'm also a avid real estate investor. I have uh, 29 units. I'm actively always. I'm actively um, looking for uh, additional opportunities to increase my rental portfolio. Um, by default, the firm does attract a lot of real estate investor clients, uh, simply because uh, one, we speak the language. Uh, two, um, I I actually have experience. Um, in the industry as well. And we promote our team members to ultimately um, buy real estate for uh, cash flow purposes, but more importantly for uh, tax benefits. So uh, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, um, I started picking up rental uh, real estate in 2018, started buying um, duplexes. Well, actually before I started purchasing, I was doing a wholesaling before they made it illegal. Um, in Chicago, what it is—it's not 100% illegal, but they changed uh, the parameters. So I started out doing wholesaling, um, did one fix and flip, realized that wasn't for me, um, but then I transitioned into the uh, into real estate piece. Um, ended up getting my general contractor's license, start contracting on my own projects, and then buddy of mine had his own tax firm at the time. He was like, "Hey." You got a ton of, you know, real estate. You got experience there. Uh, we have a lot of clients that own real estate. You speak the language. How about you come over and help us out um, from a um, a sales sales side? So I joined him. 
um, ended up getting my uh, inroad agent license, learned the tax game, learned tax planning, tax advisory, real estate professional, tax status, the whole nine. And I stayed there for about three and a half, four years. And then I uh, branched out and launched Magnolia Tax Services. Okay. That's uh, so I love you know sort of the the varied background, but but all I guess real estate um related. What uh, I, and I I've just never heard this, and this may be a stupid question, but what does enrolled agent mean? What is like what does that mean? I guess in in it, and how would that be different from uh someone else you might go to for for tax prep and and all of that? That's a great question. So in the tax industry you basically have four types of people, okay? The first person you got is a tax attorney. So your tax attorney, they're assisting with a lot of the um, estate planning type of needs as it relates to um, taxes. They can also provide a client with some tax strategy as well. But for the most part, that tax attorney is looking at structure of entities, um, estate, and the whole nine. And then you have um, tax preparers or individuals that are not not licensed. Some of them may even call themselves a tax strategist um, as well. But these are folks that may have worked at a tax firm or somehow learn how to prepare taxes and have some familiarity with um, the, the tax industry. And then you have um, CPAs and enrolled agents. So the primary difference between a CPA, certified public accountant, and an EA, enrolled agent, um, is the following. A CPA gets his or her license from state boards. A enrolled agent get their license directly from the Department of Treasury, which houses the Internal Revenue Service. So our designation come directly from the IRS rather than state boards. So CPAs, not only can they do tax, but CPAs can do financial reporting, they can do audit, they can do uh, risk assurance. Those are the functionalities of a certified public accountant. You also have some CPAs that, fo that focus solely in tax, um, but the average taxpayer, the average consumer automatically hears CPA and they think that this person knows taxes. Um, and the reality of it, um, there's a ton that don't, and us as EAs, enrolled agents, we partner with a lot of CPAs because they don't do taxes. They're solely focused on the accounting, balance sheets, uh, profit and loss statements, the financial reporting. And EAs, our focus is solely in tax. We do everything from tax uh, debt resolution, tax representation, tax preparation, and ultimately tax planning. So if an individual was ever to get audited by the IRS, 9.5 times out of 10, that person is getting audited by an enrolled agent. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know all of the distinctions there, and I appreciate you kind of breaking that down. Because I, I mean, quite honestly, uh, a few years ago, I, I was five <gasps> or six years ago at this point, I was, my taxes were being done by a um, tax preparer. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know that he wasn't a CPA. Like I, that was never just never a question that I asked something that we didn't discuss and I think <clears throat> even beyond those definitions and I guess uh, I'll put this out to you but do you think I, I think what I've seen is there's there's specialization within those designations like there are 
CPAs that don't know anything about real estate and probably not the person you want doing your, you know, financials and, and tax preparation in if you're a real estate investor, whereas there are others that are specifically um, sort of geared towards that. And I think probably people don't necessarily understand that. Is that something you would agree with? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, I was even, and we get this all the time. A lot of clients come over solely because their current person doesn't necessarily understand real estate investing. Give you, I'll give you an example. Um, we have a client, all they do very, very well known um, in, in the social media space. Um, we'll keep their name confidential for client confidentiality purposes, but they do a lot of subject to, a lot of subject to deals. And um, he has had a hard time explaining things to his CPA that, hey, I actually do um, control this asset, but the CPA sees um, Timothy Sanders on right. the 1098 form, yeah. right? He sees the 10, he, he sees Timothy Sanders on the 1098 uh, mortgage interest statement. And he's, he's saying, Hey, what, what's, what's going on here? You know, how is this you? It clearly has somebody else's name on there, but they don't understand the concept of us being able to, when I say us, real estate investors being able to control and operate managed assets via creative financing. So there is a gap out there between um, tax preparers, tax strategies, CPAs, EAs that understand tax, but not necessarily may understand the uh, real estate investing landscape as well. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that with, with uh, some of our investors. So they, you know, they may, if they've never um, invested in real estate before, even at a passive level, sometimes, uh, you know, we give them a, <laughs> give them a K1 and they don't know what to do. And neither does their CPA or tax preparatory person. Like they, they just don't under, they've never seen one of those before. And so I've had, you know, that conversation with some investors that you may want to make a change, uh, at, at, you know, whoever's handling your finances and your, and your tax preparation to someone who understands how these things work. So you can maximize your, um, uh, tax savings, I guess, if you will, or, you know, minimize your exposure, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. But I think it, it's, it is important to, to have someone that, you know, sort of knows, specifically what you're doing and have them uh and, and I'm not even necessarily I guess strictly applied to real estate it could you could be in other industries you want to have um, your accountant and your attorney <laughs> who are going to be the people that uh protect you in a lot of ways you, you want them to understand exactly uh exactly what it is that you're doing absolutely that's well said um so in in your bio you sort of you mentioned the the you're federally authorized to, to represent taxpayers um, before the IRS. And so what is that? I guess this may be an obvious question, but in, in what scenarios is that required? Um, and then, you know, kind of what, what does that mean? What, what is your role in that, in that uh, process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So going back to the um, distinction between a CPA and an inroad agent. So our designation come directly from the Department of Treasury, um, which houses the Internal Revenue Service. So there's multiple 
when when an individual is on undergoing an audit, there's multiple layers of that examination process. And essentially what uh, being federally authorized to represent a taxpayer mean is that we can take a tax situation, a tax problem, a tax issue, all the way up to the United States tax court and represent a taxpayer. Typically what you'll see is you'll see an enrolled agent and a tax attorney, both co-representing a client at the United States uh, tax court. So when we say federally authorized to represent a client or represent taxpayers, ultimately we can do the same exact things in the United States tax court as a tax attorney. Okay. So would that imply that a CPA cannot do that? And and I guess my follow-up question to that is, can you be both? Can you be a CPA and uh, I, the, I'm sorry, <laughs> enrolled agent? I'm yeah, like, yeah. What? how am I forgetting that? Yeah. Uh, can you be yeah. both of those things? Or like, how does that, could someone have, I guess, the ability to do all of that? That's a great question. So yes, you can be a lot of CPAs that didn't necessarily, let's say they got their undergraduate degree um, in audit or um, risk assurance or whatever it is they got their degree in and they didn't go get a focus or a master's in tax, what they'll do is they'll go and get their EA license instead. Okay. And that'll give them that tax component, um, that tax exposure. So a lot of CPAs also do get their EA license and some of them may um, opt for the EA license as a shortcut of instead of getting, um, instead of becoming a attorney, a tax attorney, they'll just go and get the EA license. And of course, you have some CPAs that are also um, tax attor tax attorneys as well. And those folks are, you know, very, very um, competent and, you know, dangerous folks that you want to have on your team if you have access to them. So those are the um, the primary differences again there, but yeah, can a CPA also represent a individual? Yeah, they can also represent um, individuals as well. Typically, in the uh, U.S. tax court system, more than likely they would engage the services of a EA and a tax attorney. Again, though. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, it, it. I mean, hopefully, people aren't in the that position to be audited and having to be in front of the U.S. tax court. But I think that that's probably the, the maybe the main goal, right, of, of your CPA or um, an enrolled agent, Wh whoever's, you know, kind of handling your tax preparation and your tax uh, planning is, is to avoid having that <laughs> scenario where you get audited and you have to go in front of the court. Now, again, this may be a silly question, but if you get audited, do you are you automatically going in front of the court, or is there a um, process that can happen where it's just like, oh, you know, you get audited? No, look, here's all my my proof, and they say, okay, fine, you're right. So, or is it always going to become, you know, sort of an actual uh, tax court case? Yeah. So, um, no, they all all examinations do not become a U.S. tax court case. The only time it becomes a U.S. tax court case, if for whatever reason um, you, you undergo an examination. So examinations can happen one or two ways. 
you can have what is known as a field audit. In a field audit, this is where that revenue officer is actually coming to your principal place of business, where you can do business. They're showing up. Okay. Um, and then you can have what is known as um, a, a written audit, where all you're doing is just sending information back and forth. They're sending you a letter and they're requesting for you to provide um, some additional documentation around these line items that they'll specifically state it out in that notice. Hey, we're requesting additional information, blah, 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 blah. Please provide us with X, Y, Z. And then you'll send the requested items back via mail. Um, those are essentially the two types of audits. Now, depending on what happens, that auditor, that examiner, that revenue officer can say, hey, this is not substantial enough for me. You know, I, I am not in alignment with the proof, the documentation here to support you taking these deductions. And they may ultimately reverse some changes on your tax return and say, hey, nope, we're not, we're not approving this. Looks like something's fishy here and we're denying or we'll, we'll make a modification. Uh, the tax term is we'll make an adjustment to your tax return, basically denying it. And then you as the taxpayer, you ultimately have some time to either um, accept those conditions or you appeal those conditions. Now, depending on what that examiner is specifically looking for, um, we may have to appeal it. You know, if they're, if, because some of these examiners, unfortunately, they're not competent enough and they don't fully understand the tax law, right? The Internal Revenue Code. So sometimes we, we may have to appeal it if we feel that they don't fully understand the tax code. And then that's when it, ultimately matriculates up to the United States tax court. So depending on, on what the exam, examination is, we may tell a client from the very beginning that, hey, this is going to go all the way up to the tax court. Okay. And yeah, I guess that's a, you made a great point there in the sense that I guess you can just accept what they say too and, and pay the difference or what, you know, whatever that, whatever that penalty might be. Um, or you fight it if you feel that you're in the right, I guess the, the, it, it's again, I think, you know, an important point would be in, in that your part of filing taxes or especially as you become a real estate investor, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a, a big part of your, your tax filing is well before you're filing the taxes. It's your tax preparation and planning and like, wh what are you going to do to uh, try to reduce your tax burden, you know, in, in a legal way. I, I, do you think, how do you, how would you break that down, I guess, as far as the distribution of time that you spend with clients, right? So, you know, tax filing has specific dates. Uh, you can do extensions and things, but eventually you've got to get them in. But what, how do you sort of break up a year if you have a client, you know, in terms of, you know, you're going to have tax preparation, but then what do you do from a tax planning standpoint with them? How do you approach that? Beautiful question. Beautiful question. So um, we, we have to understand the roles and parameters of the, of the, of the companies, organizations, firms that we engage with. Uh, what do they do? What they specialize in? And I was having a conversation with 
um, someone last week took me out to lunch and he goes, well, his question was, I'm pretty sure you're busy, you know, through January and April, um, but you're, you're not as busy, you know, during, um, after those times. And I said, no, you know, I had the, we had the biggest month of the year in August. And he's like confused. He's like, how, how, how's that possible? Well, that's because we're a tax advisory practice. We're a tax advisory firm. So sure, we assist clients with getting their taxes filed by default. That's just what comes with the nature of the industry that we serve. Um, but our clients get the most value in us being able to plan with them periodically throughout the year. There's not a lot of value I can I can give to a client that's just handing me over a W-2, a PL, or a balance sheet. And uh, we'll ultimately file their taxes if they have a general partnership, uh, 1065, we do the K-1s, whatever. Uh, there's not a lot of value there. That's just data entry, you know, and you're just hoping and banking on that person that's doing the data entry can put the appropriate numbers in an appropriate field. Um, but the true value comes when someone can look at your situation and they can say, okay, one, how is your business structured? And we talked about artists earlier. Well, if your business is structured as a single member LLC and you file a Schedule C with your personal tax return with your 1040, Schedule C filers are 20 times more likely to get audited by the IRS, right? So if we understand that, then, okay, how do we, from a tax strategy perspective, position ourselves so that one, we statistically reduce our chance of being audited. At the same time, we also pay less in taxes because single member LLCs also pay self-employment tax on their entire net profit. So not only do you pay 15.3% on your entire net profit in self-employment tax, plus you pay state and federal income taxes depending on the state that you live in, and you're 20 times more likely to get audited. So one of the first things that we're doing is we're looking at how that client is set up. So that's the first thing. And I, and I want to debunk this too. Um, social media has some people in a frenzy and they say, hey, establish an LLC in Wyoming, establish your LLC in Delaware, establish your LLC in, in Nevada so that you can get the anonymity and um, you, you, you can get, uh, you, you create your entity in a COPE state, a charging order of protection state. Well, the reality is for real estate, you need to create that entity in the state where that property is physically located because that rental asset is going to be subject to the rules and parameters of, of, of the state that is, uh, is, is residing in. So having a Wyoming LLC owning a property in Atlanta doesn't necessarily make sense because one, you're going to lose the anonymity because now you have to ultimately do a uh, create a foreign entity in that state and now they know who you is. So the first thing that we're doing is we're looking at how that business is set up and then we're running a series of scenarios to ultimately determine what that client's um, anticipated tax liability may be. And then we reverse engineer and create a plan to reduce it. Yeah. And those are great points. And I think, and those are things that I've sort of learned by, by accident, I guess, uh, in, in you, it depends on what state you're in. Right. So do, Eugene, do you, do you 
um, have clients in, in in every state? Are you are you licensed to help people with you know that live in any state? Is it specific areas or um, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So uh, we're a hundred percent virtual tax firm. We have clients in all fifty states. Um, majority of our clients are actually on the West Coast. Uh, we do have a team on the West Coast, um, but yeah, we service all fifty states. Yeah, and it, I mean, just to your point, uh, just a minute ago, for, for example, uh, with one of uh, my businesses, we we set up the LLC in Delaware because, like, that was what you're supposed to do. And then I live in California, and California makes you file a, a foreign entity anyway. And so it, there there goes the point of having any anonymity. It's like, and also, this is this is a thing that you know you you mentioned social media. This is a thing that always makes me sort of laugh. Is like we do all these things to create anonymity, but then everybody's on social media talking about what they're doing. So it's not really that hard to figure out, like <laughs> to be found. And so I, I I understand that you wanna you wanna uh, protect yourself through structure, but but if you think really that nobody knows who you are, then you you probably shouldn't be on social media. And it's a um, an, an interesting uh, dichotomy that I think I see in the, in the real estate space of people, people putting everything on social media, but also like going through all the back channels of um, establishing anonymity that isn't, isn't really there. Um, so when you're doing, I'm sure this is individual client based, but when you're doing uh, your, your tax advisory, and and I think, you mentioned if someone's just they're handing over their w2s and their k1s and stuff at that point basically it's it's too late right so you're you're you have to file what happened and so yep. you know you can't if if you're waiting till um january 1st to to go to your whoever's doing your taxes and say here's my stuff that's not tax planning and so that that is like a huge important component of it especially as you get more real estate or get more businesses or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and so, I mean, I guess it makes sense that, you know, August would be a busy month because you have, you still have a little more time to make any changes that you might need to make. Um, you know, you hear about people doing capital expenditures at the end of the year, that kind of thing, when they know sort of where their profits lie. I mean, there, there's a lot of different strategies that are very legal, but um, do you, so when you are are when you have clients, maybe what what is that timetable that you set up for them within the year? How do you kind of tend to structure your business with them? Yeah, so in tax advisory, we more we want to meet with our clients at least once a quarter. That's that's an ideal scenario. Um, the the reason why we have this quarterly checkpoint quarterly cadence is because we've had some we've had some scenarios where we meet with a client q1 um we meet with a client q2 and um, business may be a bit slow for that client in q1 q2 there's degenerating revenue right they got money coming in but it might not be um, um it, it might not be as busy and then q3 comes around <laughs> client we, we can't meet with the client client is too busy making money in their business and they don't come back around until Q4, um, November, and they say, hey, I made 150000 200000 in Q3. What do I need to do to minimize my tax bill? What do I need to be concerned about? Do I need to make any estimated tax payments? Well, it puts us um, as, as 
as a tax advisory firm in a reactive situation and also puts the client in a reactive situation as well. So ideally, we want to meet with that client um, once a quarter, depending on um, the how, how that client is, 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 is shaped up in terms of the entity structure, business, goals, aspirations. We may need to meet a bit more frequently in the beginning so that we can get on that quarterly cadence. But ideally, we, we're strategizing and we're meeting and we're checking in once a quarter. Yeah, it makes total sense. I, I think it is just you know, you can have big changes from quarter to quarter. And so checking in, um, I mean, it just goes back to what we were talking, like, you don't want to get behind, you don't want to get behind, you don't want to be, um, you don't want it to be too late to make the changes that you might need to, to not have a huge tax bill at the end of the year or something like that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Eugene, I want to, I want to switch gears and, and kind of get to the get to ask you the questions uh, that I ask every guest. I feel like um, <laughs> ultimately I, I probably start asking you a lot of questions that are, are personal to me in terms of tax preparation. So those are things I can do outside of the, the podcast, but um, I, I want to get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. And the first one is always, um, what is your why? Of course, the name of the show is, is uh, know your why. And so I, I always like to know what people, what's driving people, what's, you know, kind of pushing you uh, forward towards bigger and bigger success. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, I'll, I'll start with this: everybody should have a why. You know, your your why is what's going to keep you moving forward, keep you going when things get tough. It's not about if things will get tough; it's about when and what support system do you rely on, what affirmations, um, what is bigger than you that. It's ultimately going to allow you to uh, keep that engine going. You know, when you feel like the tank is on E, you got to figure out a way to, you know, make it to the gas station, you know? Um, so for me, my my why is a combination of a couple of different things. Um, the first thing is family. My why is family. And my, my it's, it's also coupled with me wanting to become the best version of myself so I can help other people around me. And I can't, if, if I don't become the best version of myself, um, then I'm, 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 I'm not only doing my family a disservice, but I'm doing the entire public. I'm doing the entire um, world a disservice because I'm not putting myself in position to be able to help them. You know, and I and I believe that my life is not about me. My life is, is is about my ability to be able to impact and change other people's situation as well. And we all have an expiration date. And um, you know, at, at, at my funeral, I want people to. I want I want a line. I want a, I want the biggest line possible. You know, there saying, "Hey, this was the impact that he had on my life. This is this is the value that I got." You know, so my my why is family. And um, the the ability to become the best version of myself, so I can help those that's that's around me. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I love what you said about the, you know, gas tank is on E, and you got to figure out a way to get to the gas station. Because I do think it's fun. You know, I, I I've, I've never heard that before. I, I love that analogy, and I and I think it's like when you said it, it resonated so much because I'm just like, yeah, there are those days that I'm just like. 
man, I don't know. You know, you're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do to get to the gas station. And you're like, and, and it's like, you know what, I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to go for a walk with my kids, or I'm going to go to the gym or something like just, you know, find that thing that gets you back on track, gets you, gets your tank um, re-energized and, and, you know, uh, keeps you moving forward. So I, I love that. I love that analogy. I may steal it at some point, so I'll, I'll get it, <laughs> but I'll be sure to give you credit for it. Um, tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, something uh, that, that lets the listeners know you a little bit better, um, anything that you're comfortable sharing. Uh, that's a good one. Let's see. Um, I like to cook. You know, I'm a good, I'm a good, good chef. I like to, uh, um, sometimes me and my, my, uh, my girlfriend will invite a private chef over to cook and, um, I'll invite clients over. I'll invite some friends over and, um, it's, it's a good opportunity for us to have, have an in-home experience. And it's a great way to also, uh, bring business in too. Um, so I, I do like to cook. I like to go to uh, um, different, like this past weekend, we went to a um, a knife cutting class and just learning new tricks to the trades of, um, you know, being great in the kitchen. Um, I know that's total, totally off topic with taxes and finances. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I, I like to get in the kitchen and, and, and make a good meal. Well, uh, that's the point of that question is to be off topic. So, um, no, that's great. What, uh, what do you, what do you, what's your specialty? What do you like to cook? Like what's your favorite meal to make? Yeah. My, my favorite meal to make, I'd say is, um, a lemon zest branzino, um, with some asparagus and a garlic herb butter sauce that we lay off, to, lay over the top with some basil. It's very good. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, that's super cool. The the private chef thing. We we did a um, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was this. I found it for my wife for Christmas that you can do online cooking classes with chefs all over the world, and so like we bait we made um, uh, like a, a a shepherd's pie from a guy that was in Maine, and we made a um like a homemade pasta and sauce from from a, a chef that was in uh Italy like it, it was actually really pretty cool I wasn't sure what it, what it was going to be like I was like let's give it a shot it was it was a blast just kind of and the food nice. was so good um it was really neat uh a neat experience um when people hear this and they want to reach out to you what's the best way yeah the best way to reach out to uh, me directly is by um calling into our office you can call into our office at 414-285-2446, or you can visit magnoliatackservices.com and uh, schedule some time to chat. Let's schedule a 15-minute discovery call and learn more about your situation, what it is that I can do for you. If there's something that we can do for you, we'll tell you. Uh, we're very transparent about what we can do, and we're very transparent about what we can't do as well. We want to make sure that we can deliver for our clients, um, and if we cannot deliver for you, then we'll refer you out to somebody that we know that can that okay perfect final question for you eugene what piece of advice would you give to someone and and you can take this in whatever direction you want i, I often say you know what piece of advice would you give to someone starting in in uh, real estate 
certainly feel free to answer it that way. If you want to relate it to tax or business, um, that's fine too. But just just someone who's looking to kind of get off the ground, some some um, you know advice or inspiration that you might have for them. Yeah, prioritize personal and professional development. Um, the what what's in your bank account right now is nothing more, nothing less, but a reflection of a reflection of the value that you have up here in your head, in your mind, in your brain. And that's the best real estate that anybody can invest in. The best real estate that anybody can invest in is the two inches between your ears, between your head, you know, um, and that's your mind because nobody can ever take your mind from you. And prioritizing personal professional development doesn't always look like free. Doesn't always look like picking up a book. Sometimes it may look like hiring a coach. Sometimes it may look like physically having to get on a plane, go to a different state and go to a conference by yourself. You know, and a lot of us, we invest in different things. We're investing in stocks, we're investing in real estate, but we're not investing in our own personal and professional development. And you should, you should put a dollar amount to it. You should have a dollar amount to every single year. I spend $20,000 on my personal and professional development. And I, what I've come to found out that there's other people that's in the same class as me that are also doing the same thing, if not more. And it creates new opportunities for me to build relationships and network and learn and strategize and have partnerships that I never once had before if I didn't make that $10,000 investment and go sit front row at a conference and go meet other people that have the same burning desire and aspirations that I do. And that's to ultimately um, help other people and create a life, create a business that rewards you the lifestyle of one of having the courage to create that business and three creating a product or service where your clients can ultimately bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to go. So I would say prioritize uh, personal and professional development is extremely important. And that's the key to getting from where you are right now to where you want to go. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. I think it's extremely important to uh, you know, I, I guess you would, you would say, make that part of your budget, part of your, your, you know, tax planning, your, your yearly expenses, however you want to break it down. But um, spending money on, on that personal and professional development is, is fantastic. Um, <clears throat> Eugene, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, I, I appreciate everything that you shared. I think people are going to uh, get a lot of great value out of it. So thank you so much for taking the time out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was great. This was awesome. Awesome. Um, folks listening, I know you're going to love this. Uh, make sure you connect with Eugene. Um, and please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests. Uh, and thank you all hey for there. listening. I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?